welcome uh, if you're here on a, one of our bank holiday uh, weekends. Uh, we always get new visitors, and if you're a visitor here, you're more than welcome. So we're continuing our series in the book of Psalms, where we'll be looking at these songs of ascents. Now, these are bits of the Bible where the Jewish nation would gather collectively and all go up to Jerusalem and, and sing songs to remind them about who God is and what he's done for them. They're not just of historic interest, though, for those who were around in that time, because they talk about God. And that God of the Old Testament, the Psalms, is still our God today. He is a God that doesn't change. We know him much more of him because of Jesus. But the attributes of God that are in these songs of ascents are ones that we're looking at. So this morning we're looking at this Psalm 125, and I think it's a Psalm that reminds us that despite the deepest circumstances and the challenging circumstances of life, we can trust in God. We can trust in God because he's a sure and solid foundation, and that he's mighty and powerful and can control, he's in control of the whole world. Now those are pretty big claims that are going to impact on us, whether we've a lifetime of trusting in Jesus or whether we're still looking into it. Maybe we've lost some of that initial enthusiasm or our foundations are a bit shaky. So we'll need God's help this morning to help us understand and apply it to our lives. So let me pray. Dear God, we pray that you'd be with us this morning. Help us understand your word. Help me to speak clearly and accurately and as we look to see what you would say, make us live changed lives as a result that are more pleasing to you. Amen. So can I ask you what you're trusting in this morning? Uh, perhaps the chair you're sitting on is solid, I'm hoping so. Or maybe that the church building, this is our foundation stone, uh, maybe that's a, a search for the younger members uh, is strong and unlikely collapse, or, or maybe even on your way into church this morning, thinking about a, an August bank holiday weekend in Newcastle, we're thinking maybe hail, snowstorms, flooding, the normal bank holiday. But we often trust in so much without a second thought. But I think those foundations are really important. Now, in my time as a Cub Scout leader, I really enjoyed working with Cubs on one of our games and things called crate stacking. Now, if you've never done this, this consists of putting a milk crate, one on top of another, while standing on it and slowly, slowly, carefully building the tower. As the tower rises, so do you, all strapped up with ropes and climbing gear to make sure everybody's safe. Perhaps this short video will just help picture the scene. But you can see, as they got so far, and even though the foundations weren't quite right, they got a little bit higher. But as they got higher and higher, those little imperfections in the foundations started to be found out. A misaligned crate, the wobble starts setting in. Inevitably, there is that crash of crates. The platform is lost, you fall. However, if you do get the foundations right, the tower can stretch higher and higher and higher. And the world record for the highest crate stack was set by a European chap called Christoph in 2009 when he climbed a column of 49 crates, which is just about the height from the floor to the dome of this church. 
that's pretty high. But in this bit of the Bible, we see that God, those who trust in God, are our foundation. Verse 1, we see, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. So if we trust in the Lord, we have a solid foundation, one that cannot be moved and stands forever. Our New Testament reading from Ephesians just reminds us how that comes about. So Ephesians said, you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built in the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So our foundation is Jesus. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can trust in God to build our lives and our church on his foundation. These verses describe Jesus as our cornerstone on which the people of God grow into a holy temple. Now that picture of Jesus being a sure and trustworthy foundation is something very powerful to me. Like some here, I grew up in a Christian family with my mum taking us along to a Bible-believing church every week and following a challenge by a chap called Noel in Newcastle, County Down, I answered Jesus' call and became part of his family as a teenager. But as I grew up, the foundations weren't quite right. I was trying to add my own strengths, my own abilities to Jesus. I hadn't truly grasped that the only way I can be right with God is because of Jesus. And that reliance of trying to build myself and Jesus continued for several years until the inevitable crisis happened. This was while I was serving as steward at a well-known Christian event at an English seaside resort when I was a student. Now, I was living cheek by jowl with other equally strange Christians and seeing the behind the scenes of really quite prominent and well-known Christian leaders. And seeing that, and seeing that maybe it wasn't all as set out in the PR, caused me to wobble in my faith. The foundations of my Christian belief and life were shaken. And to be honest, I was in danger of being falling apart completely. Thankfully, I had friends who listened to me, put me in touch with someone slightly older who was a, a bit wiser as well, and bit by bit, we had to dismantle lots of what I'd been relying on. That was really painful and challenging. One of my favorite authors, Douglas Adams, would have probably described this as a long, dark tea time of the soul. We had to get back to basics. All the stuff and self-reliance that I'd been adding to the gospel had to go. For someone like me who tends to self-reliance and emotional stability, it meant bearing my emotions and feelings to others in what still remains a deeply uncomfortable way. But God was gracious and friends were faithful in prayer and support. Eventually, I got back down to the cornerstone of my faith, my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and discovered again that he cannot be moved, and he endures forever. 
And that sure foundation has helped me more than I can say. Not that since then everything has been plain sailing and an easy build. Far from it. But I've tested that foundation and I know I can rely on Jesus. Now I'm sure this morning there are here in similar situations. Undoubtedly recent events will have proved a challenge to our understanding of God's goodness and mercy. And others we know who once seemed strong in their faith seem to be moving away from God and losing a once seemingly firm foundation. If that's you this morning, can I encourage you to be open, maybe with your midweek group or another small group here or friends at church, about your doubts and challenges. And if you're supporting others going through a tough time, thank you. Keep going, keep praying, and keep pointing to Jesus as a perfect foundation of our lives. Because we really can build our lives on Jesus. As the psalm says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Maybe that story of a wrong-headed minister who, visiting his elderly church member, can help us understand the point. So the minister coming along, the visitor remarked, well, after keeping the faith for so many years... You must be pretty confident of holding out to the very end. But the church member gently and accurately corrected him, saying, it's not a matter of me holding out. It's the Lord holding on to me. The Bible assures me that I can trust him for that. The second point is that our God is mighty and amazing. And to underline this, The psalmist turns to one of the core themes running through these songs of ascents, comparing the might and majesty of God to the mountains that surround Jerusalem. As it says in verse 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Now, I've not been to Jerusalem, but I gather that on a clear day, the mountains that surround it are amazing. Hopefully the picture on the screen behind will help set that context. So it's as if the writer of the psalm takes us to that place, to maybe another level, and then says, look, yeah, the Mount of Zion, the foundation is impressive, and a sure foundation, but just take a look around you. The mountains that form the eastern backdrop to the city, the high hills to the north and south, into which Jerusalem nestles into. Hopefully this subtle arrow diagram will just put Jerusalem in context. (laughs) not very subtle, is it? Uh, but I don't have great IT skills. But as Jerusalem is surrounded by these mighty and impressive mountains, our God is so much more than we can ever understand or imagine. And that mighty, amazing God is on our side. He surrounds his people with his protection and care forever. What's even more amazing is that this is a long-term promise. Like the foundation that lasts forever, the surrounding love, care, and protection of our mighty God is for this time forth and forevermore. But we all know it doesn't always feel like that as Christians. And that's what the psalmist comes to in this next point. In verse 3, For the scepter of the wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. The writer of this psalm knows that it's not the whole picture. Despite our sure foundation and protection of God, 
it can sometimes be tough. In the words of this psalm, the scepter of wickedness or the bad, horrible things that happen. When it feels like God is nowhere and chaos reigns. That can be a short-term reality, even in righteous people and their lives. Which is why this promise of the psalm, that this reign of chaos and evil isn't forever. Unlike God and the foundation that goes on forever, wickedness is temporary. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The temporary nature of this wickedness is limited. So the righteous don't need to give in and forget the foundation of righteousness and death and resurrection of Jesus. Security doesn't mean that our ship won't weather any storms, but it does mean that the storms won't sink our ship. Which comes to the next point about we should pray for doing good. So verse 4, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in heart. It brings us to the request in this psalm where the writer makes clear the need for us to pray for blessings, for God to do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. Now this could sound a little bit like a transactional gospel. If we do good things, then God will bless us. But that's not what's being said here. It can't be because in an earlier psalm, King David says this, the Lord looks down from heaven and the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They all have turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. That's in Psalm 14. And in his letter to the Romans, Paul then uses that psalm to highlight our complete and utter reliance on Jesus for any righteousness as a free gift of grace. And only through Jesus can we be good or right before God. And only through his forgiveness can we be upright. Our only goodness is based on Jesus. So we're to pray for those who are good, to those who are upright. But the brighter knows that despite the eternal foundation and protection of God, bad things do happen to God's people. These bad things aren't God's will, consequence of our fallen and sinful world. So we're fine and we should and encourage us to keep on praying for blessings on God's people in both good times and bad. And we come now to the, the final part of our psalm this morning, in verse 5. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways... The Lord will leave away with evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Now this passage ends with that classic two ways scenario. Last week David spoke to us about the what ifs. Which can be such a sort of speculation of what happens next. But the consequences of whether we base our lives on Jesus as our foundation or not. Are set out with painful clarity here. Those that turn away will not be part of God's eternal kingdom. They will be remote from God's blessings. Whereas those who base their lives on the sure foundation of Jesus and rely on his protection and care will receive his eternal peace. So this morning, if you need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, whatever we've done, whatever you've done, whatever we've thought about Jesus in the past, there is forgiveness. 
As Jesus said in uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, repent and believe the good news. The good news is that Jesus' death on the cross took the punishment we deserved for our sins and that his resurrection from the dead guarantees peace with God and the new eternal life for those who repent and believe and trust in him. For those who do trust in God, we do, who do rely on Jesus as the foundation of our lives and his eternal protection and love, the writer prays, peace be on Israel. Peace here is the word shalom, which means rightness and well-being. Peace be upon God's people, God's the church. And as we finish this talk this morning, my prayer is that we will all know God's peace. Know God's blessing as individuals, as a church, as we move into relaunch and the changes that will come ahead in the years ahead, despite often different circumstances. As Jesus said to his disciples on the eve of his own shocking torture, abandonment and death, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. To those who trust in him, Jesus gives a peace that is real and present, a gift of well-being and inner rest of spirit in fellowship with God, despite trauma, despite difficult circumstances. God is a sure foundation, a constant eternal protector. Let me pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are a sure and certain foundation. Help us build our lives and this church upon you and you alone. In your name we pray. Amen.